In the name of the blessed Trinity, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You know this to be true. If you care for someone, if you love someone, it is beyond natural to want to shield them from pain. Parents know this. Spouses know this. Brothers and sisters know this. Best friends know this. Hopefully, church members know this. And on we go. If you had a friend one evening who had too much to drink, it is not a sign of love to say, well, go ahead, get in the car. If you have a wreck, it's your problem, not mine. Maybe you'll learn a lesson. No. Friends, family members, are constantly reaching out to shield and protect. Even when it's not really helpful, we do it. We spend a lot of our life trying to figure out when we should do it and when we shouldn't. So today, I have nothing but sympathy for the disciples. They are at Caesarea Philippi. It's kind of a resort town. The breezes are cool coming off the sea. The Romans made it a resort town. And this is where Jesus is with his disciples. Maybe Jesus is attempting to take them away for a while, away from the demands of the mission and the ministry. So many crowds with great, pardon me, great needs have been pressing in upon them. Maybe Jesus said, let's get away from this all for a while. Why don't we take a few days off up at Caesarea? Maybe. And it was in this pleasant and serene and beautiful setting, though, that Jesus drops the bomb. He says to them, not too long from now, I will be going to Jerusalem. I will fall under the hands of the authorities, government, religion. There, I will suffer and I will die. The shock is almost too great for the disciples to bear. Peter stands up for all of them. Peter, perhaps the best friend from among the twelve. God forbid it. No doubt Peter immediately starts to think of all the ways he can shield Jesus from this tragedy. Why not head in the other direction? Let's go up into the hills and hide out till this thing blows over. And Jesus responds to this best friend with perhaps the best of intentions. Get behind me, Satan. Now I read this and think, oh, come on. He hasn't urged you to, like, raise an army, do anything wrong. He just wants 
to protect you and maybe himself and the other friends from wading into a deadly storm. Why isn't it okay to sail around the storm? How could Jesus speak so severely to him? Yet if Jesus had followed their advice and headed in the other direction, what would have happened? Maybe he would have died a peaceful death in his bed, someplace in Jerusalem, many years later, and be remembered as one of the great moral teachers of all time. I mean, there's plenty of these folks around history, Aristotle and I don't know, Eleanor Roosevelt, or we love them for what they said and how they lived their lives, but not for how they died. Jesus, by this time, had already said and done enough to assure that for generations to come, he would be remembered. Yet, he says, I must go to Jerusalem. Sure, he was overstating it. Surely, there was nobody standing there with a gun to his head, forcing him to go to Jerusalem, but he said it anyway. Perhaps he meant it not in the sense that he was forced to go to Jerusalem, forced to suffer there and die at the hands of the authorities, but rather that he would not be who he was meant to be if he did not go that he could not accomplish the gospel mission without going. He could not walk in another direction. To be who he was, he had to go. So, in a way, the basic question, who is Jesus? That's the question we heard last Sunday, remember? Who do people say that I am? Jesus actually asked the question. And his disciples respond, maybe you're a reincarnation of John the Baptist. You're one of the great prophets. Come back from the dead. He certainly was a great prophet. For he spoke truth to the powers that be no matter what or who they were. Like all of God's prophets of old, he cared more about the will of God than about the opinion of people. He was also a wonderful teacher. Matthew's gospel itself contains some of the most poignant teachings of Jesus, his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He even healed reaching out to those in need, often to those whom the world forgot. He touched, he healed, prophet, teacher, healer. That's who people said he was. And that's who many people were content for him to be. Maybe even us. A great moral teacher. And that way is actually a lot easier to follow. He 
laid some very high moral standards. He was a moral teacher. But when it comes to moral teachers, the job is to listen. Maybe take some notes and sit back maybe for the exam. I think what happened in Caesarea Philippi was that Jesus' friends and you and me get a stunning glimpse of just who Jesus really is. And it scares the wits out of them and maybe even us. In urging Jesus not to go to Jerusalem, in effect, the disciples were saying, Lord Jesus, these ideas you've been teaching us are very inspirational. But let's keep something in perspective. This is uplifting. This is, these are wonderful concepts. But do we have to die for them? Do you have to die for them? In saying, God forbid, Lord, this should never happen, Peter is wanting to keep Jesus in his place. Just remain a truthful prophet and a great teacher and a fine physician. What more could anyone ask for? They are seeking to protect them, him, but also themselves. I wonder how much we, I, do that in my relationship with Jesus. There are lots of people, let's face it, who are willing to grant that Jesus is a wonderful moral teacher, maybe a, an abrasive prophet of social righteousness or a, an embodiment of, of compassionate love. But today, at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus says there is something bigger afoot. Jesus is saying this is so big, it will lead to a cross. To live as God lives and to love as God li loves may include some pain, may include some suffering. To be a person who actually thinks that it is the right thing and the human thing to love one's enemies. To be a person who believes when one attacks, you might turn the other cheek. To be a person who can count a sinner as a friend is one who has got to admit and be willing to walk in a way that includes pain and includes suffering because the world does not believe any of those things the world believes you can sail around all of those storms. 
to follow Jesus is to be one that makes a decision that leads to a cross. Jesus needed to go to Jerusalem to expose all of the powers that force humanity into opposition with each other. Jesus is willing for public humility. He goes to Jerusalem. There, there will be blood. There, there will be death. The whole earth will shake. The heavens will rip open. And we will all see anew, says Jesus. Years ago, I was part of a student interfaith dialogue group at Columbia University. We Episcopalians were part of the Protestant, larger Protestant group, which had enough problems in and of itself. But uh, there were Roman Catholics, there were Orthodox Christians, there were Reform Jewish representatives and conservative Jewish representatives and an Islamic representative. I remember specifically during one discussion, one of the Islamic representatives mentioned that in the Quran, there is great support for religious tolerance. Indeed, he said that the Prophet Muhammad commanded that all believers defend other religions, even if they are persecuted or attacked. And he said this, quote, as a follower of Islam, I have an obligation to defend and to attack anyone who would attack people of other religion, Jews or Christians. On the way home, in, on the subway, us Episcopal students were talking and noted how we kind of wish Jesus had said something like that. But no, when attacked by his enemies, Jesus refused to defend himself. He refused to let his own followers defend him. No more of this, he said. Jesus was unlike the prophet Muhammad. He was not a warrior. He was not a government official. He was crucified as a criminal, as a threat. He died without lifting a hand to secure his own life, trusting only in the power of God. Yeah, it is a challenge to follow this man. To be who he is, he has to go to Jerusalem. And by going to Jerusalem, don't be mistaken, he stood up for his friends. He confronted injustice as nobody else ever had. He exposed the corrupt powers of government and religion and economic systems working against God's people. By staring death in the face, 
he stood up for all humanity. And by being nailed to the wood of the cross and being lifted high for all the world to see, he changed the course of this world. So make no mistake, if we would be with him, if we would be his friends, we must befriend who he really is and walk with him to Jerusalem all of the way. No wonder when his disciples get a glimpse of this and who he really is, they say, God forbid it, Lord. Amen.